All right, everybody, welcome to Trips Tennis Talk, the amateur podcast about professional tennis. Thanks for finding today's episode. Thanks for listening. Quick Australian Open preview edition for you. Player audio and the schedule for the first day. Let's jump right to the player audio. Here's the number one seed, Iga Sviantek. So, Iga, welcome back to the Australian Open. Thank um, you. How has your United Cup run to the finals with Team Poland help you prepare for this tournament in Melbourne? Well, for sure, it was nice to play, you know, some high-quality matches against the top players. So, um, yeah, I just realized that, you know, I, I'm feeling pretty confident and a little bit better than last year. So, hopefully, um, this feeling is going to stay with me. And, uh, yeah, we worked hard on United Cup. Unfortunately, we were really, really close to win it. We came up second, but still, it was a great experience, and um, I had a lot of fun. All right, questions? If you could just raise your hand, please. Yes. Iga Russell Fuller from the BBC. You've obviously started the season fantastically well. What was different in preparation this year? How did you approach pre-season to get yourself in this frame of mind? I would say it was more peaceful, and um, I literally could just focus on practicing and you know resting. And um, I remember last year it was all pretty hectic because I I had you know plenty of stuff to do off court and. Um, and I realized that, you know, sometimes I kind of let myself not be focused 100% because I played so many matches that I kind of, you know, said to myself, okay, I have like six weeks now of not playing matches so I can kind of chill out. But that wasn't the perfect approach. This year I've done it differently. I was really, you know, committed and um, I didn't feel so, I don't know, tired or uh I didn't feel like I, I was burdened with this off-court stuff, so I could really just focus. And I was, I, I like every day was really, you know, 100% quality. So um, that's why I feel like it was a little bit better. Hey, you finished the last two years as number one, and yet you seem to have made some technical changes in your game. Um, what? brought that about and what was your thought process in terms of doing that and how hard has it been? You mean my serve? Yeah, serve. Sure. Um, well, you know, we've been planning to do that for a long time now, uh, but, you know, it's hard to find the proper time, especially when, you know, we kind of wanted to do it last year, but I won suddenly US Open, so we are like, why, oh, sorry, why would we do it after, you know, winning a Grand Slam? So. Yeah, the timing was was pretty pretty tricky. We also tried a little bit to change something um, after Wimbledon last year, but this time I knew I was kind of ready to just stick with it and not uh, come back to you know my older movement and my previous movement and um, and I'm I mean it's not a big change. Like I I'm only changing you know my swing here. Up there, everything is the same, so um, it was enough for me to have a couple of weeks to uh, to yeah, be fully committed and just you know not let myself go back to the old movement. And um, I, I I feel like it's already kind of natural for me, especially because I served like that when I was younger. You know, it's just more compact and more smooth. I hope <laughs> that was the goal at least. <laughs> Just sort of following up on that, what was it in 2022 that you felt like you could get more out of with your serve that, that made you want to make that change? Um, 
Well, I think anybody who would really analyze my serve could see that the movement sometimes it wasn't smooth enough. Um, so sometimes when I got more tight, you know, it's, uh, it got like a little bit worse. Um, and hopefully we can avoid that with my new serve. Okay, so interesting to hear Sviantek say that she was going to change her serve after 2022, but she won the U.S. Open at the end of that year, so she decided to not change her serve. So she went through 2023 with the same serve, and now at the end of this offseason, she has now changed her serve. So we'll check out the Iga Sviantek service motion this week. Next, let's hear from Mr. Medvedev. Here he is. Daniel, welcome back to the Australian Open. This is your first tournament of 2024. Please tell us about your preparation and when you got, when you got to Melbourne. Yeah, I got to Melbourne on 6 the night, so... I, uh, we thought it's uh, enough of time to prepare. Uh, Preseason was good, one exhibition uh, in the middle, and we managed to win it. So <laughs> it was a great, uh, great feeling. Um, yeah, the, the question was always uh, whether I want to have a very short preseason and then a warm-up event. But I've always done it. It works well. But I decided this year that one time I have to try to do it the other way and see how it goes. That's a year, and we'll see how it goes. Questions for Daniel? Please raise your hand and introduce yourself. Yeah. Hi, Daniel. Catherine Ritzke, Tennis Podcast. Um, just what you described just there, trying it differently this year, does that feel like a risk at all? I think everything feels like a risk, especially when you try it for the first time. And I don't think I've ever played an Australian Open, which is the first slam of the year, without a warm-up tournament. And usually the first match can be a little bit not easy sometimes of the season. I remember last year, I had the first match I played against Sonego, actually, he crammed after one set, which was a bit, uh, a bit surprising. So uh, there is a risk always, but as I say, otherwise I would be 35 years old and I would be like, I actually never spend a new year at home, uh, uh, never do this and that. So I decided that is a year to try, uh, finished late, uh, had vocation first time uh, at the end of the season, maybe in in four years, so if I would go here for a warm-up tournament, I would have like, yeah, as I say, two weeks of preseason, and then you go, you go non-stop. And last year, after US Open, I felt that mentally and physically I was not what I wanted to be, so I decided it's uh, going to be a good thing to try like this. I don't know. Um, this time last year, you, you obviously weren't in your best form. And then obviously it clicked, and you ended up having an amazing season. Just wondering what you learned just from looking back now last season about how it, things developed for you. Yeah, I think uh, I just got this question like five minutes ago. What did I learn from last Australian Open? And I was like, first I was like, I don't know. I didn't learn much. But then I thought the the thing I learned is future is bright no matter what. Because as I uh, last yeah I remember last year. Sitting in a press conference room uh, was was a tough feeling, you know, after the loss. Uh, I think dropping out of top 10, stuff like this, and then was probably the, one of the best uh, parts of, uh, of my career. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, the, 
the the motto future future is bright uh, but this year hopefully i can i can play better in australian open and uh, go further and uh, show some big tennis <clears throat> feel like tired at some point during the season, maybe last year or years before, and does this change of off-season, maybe you think that could uh, help you be less tired later during the, the season? Yeah, first of all, for sure many times you feel tired. It uh, And it can be different tiredness. Sometimes you're tired because it's been a long season and you're just exhausted in the end. Sometimes you can win Australian Open and feel tired for maybe, well, I'm talking win or lose in the final <laughs> and be tired after because uh, Grand Slams are tough mentally, physically, they're challenging. So uh, many, many times you feel tired and then it's always the question, how do you uh, uh, go with this fatigue? Do you try to overcome it? Do you take a week off or do you go practice straight away to try yeah, to, to, to take it out? Uh, and so that's exactly why I, I tried. I, I didn't want to do a pre-warm-up tournament because, again, then you come to Australia before the new year. You are here for many weeks, and uh, yeah, you get tired also. Um, so it's it's a constant uh, question you you ask yourself: uh, How next time do I feel better during this part of the season or this part of the season? And I don't think anyone has the answer, but you always try to find it. All right, so that was a little bit of what Mehdi had to say. Also interesting hearing him talk about how he changed the schedule this year so he had more vacation, an extra week at home, trying something different to see if that would make this month go better. All right, now let's go to Coco Goff, the winner of the most recent Grand Slam. Coco, welcome back to Melbourne. How does it feel playing the Australian Open as a singles Grand Slam champion? Um, it doesn't feel any different, to be honest. Just a, you know, that's in the past. Uh, hopefully, I can win another one here. Um, but I think I'm just focused on improving with each match and with each practice, and we'll see what happens. Questions? If you could raise your hand, Courtney. Melbourne. Uh, just off of your, your success in Auckland, you know, getting especially that test in the final, um, you know, with Alina, just kind of curious how you feel coming into Melbourne, where your game is at. Did you feel like this week were there specific things you really felt like you need to level up on? Like, just give us a sense of where you, you think your level is at the moment. Yeah, I think, you know, pretty much overall in Auckland, I played some really good tennis um, in the final. You know, I had chances to win that first set um, and lost that and I think that was a good mental test uh, because hopefully it doesn't happen here, hopefully every set point I get here I'm able to win the set but um, I think that having that tough match in the final definitely made me more confident especially uh, Alina, she um, you know she did well at Wimbledon, beat Iga and uh, has done consistently well at all the slams so she's not an easy person to beat um, and then throughout the previous matches I think just being able to play so well, especially with the pressure of being the number one seed and defending champion, uh, I think it will hopefully prep me um, for later on this season when that will probably happen more often. Do you mind me then, Matt? Um, your service motion's looking a bit different, I think, um, like a bit more abbreviated. Just wondering what the process was of, of making that change and, and what you're trying to achieve with it. Yeah, I think for me it was a very small change. It only took me like two days to 
get really, or maybe three, to get really comfortable with it. Um, it was just to make the toss more consistent um, instead of throwing from solo to start up higher to make the toss more consistent. And yeah, I think, you know, other than the final in Auckland, I think I served really well. I hit probably the most aces I've hit like consistently in matches or most unreturnables. Uh, I think I was at like 80%. Or 90% for serve points one, so it was um, a good change, and hopefully I can continue that serving uh, throughout. Um, sometimes I still have to remind myself of it, but uh, I think for the most part um, I was really open to it. I think my serve is something that, when it's on, it it's a really big weapon and can get me out of some situations. So just to make it more consistent was the goal. What is the uh, process like from? moving on from uh, winning your first Grand Slam title and getting back to the grind and doing it, trying to do it all over again. Um, how long does that take you to sort of mentally say, okay, that thing happened, it was great, next? Um, I think a week. Um, yeah, I think probably around that. Um, yeah, when I, it, when I went into China, um, I pretty much had it out of my head. Um, <laughs> And, and then during the off season, I, I we did celebrate a little bit just because after US Open everything was so fast. Um, but now going into another slam, it really feels like so long ago, and I kind of forget it happens um, because I feel like my whole life, you know, it depends on your the player. Some players' goal is to win a Grand Slam, and um, once they reach that, you know, it's kind of like what's next. And I feel like for me. I wanted to win, always knew I wanted to win multiple, so it was kind of easy to forget about it. And I, not forget, I think that's the wrong word. Maybe just put it in the past and look forward to the future instead of dwelling on the past. Um, I think for me, the only thing I will try to remember from that slam is just the way that I won. It wasn't my best tennis. It was more so the mental fight. I had some gutty matches, and I think that confidence will bring me into Australian Open this year and, you know, probably the even more slams for the rest of the season. Question in the back. It's a bit of a random one, but I remember seeing during the off season you posted a video of yourself training with an eye patch. Yeah. And I was just wondering, like, is that a new drill and kind of what you get out of that as a drill? Yeah, I've done it a couple times, mainly in the warm ups with just hand eye coordination. And yeah, that's really all it is hand eye coordination. It's no. Um, like special thing. It's just to see how good my hand eye is, and um, I think it also forces me to keep my eye on the ball um, because you know I think I'm right eye dominant, so it was obviously more challenging seeing from my left side uh, when you're just I guess you're more dominant on one side. I didn't even know that was a thing. So uh, yeah, that was just something I did for hand eye coordination, and I actually did better than I thought uh, I would. And yeah, I haven't done it since that video, <laughs> um, but I've done it like just throwing tossing tennis balls, but I haven't hit with it since. There you go. Coco Goff has appropriately celebrated winning that Grand Slam, but now she's moved on with an eye patch. <laughs> next up, let's hear from who do I want to do next? I've got Djokovic, Osaka, and Alex Damon R. Also here. I put somebody else different in here. Um, you know what? Let's do Djokovic. Here he is. Djokovic, uh, Klaus Widerstrand, TT News Agency, Sweden. Uh, I was wondering, who do you consider your biggest threat in this tournament? Uh, myself. 
always first, and then uh, of course all the other best players in the world. I mean, any player is here with, uh, I'm sure, intention to achieve the, the dream of winning a Grand Slam. Uh, some players are obviously more expected to go further than some others, but you know, uh, it's a 128 draw. It's a Grand Slam. We we know what Grand Slam represent for our sport. Um, it's where every player wants to play their best tennis, and yeah, it's uh, it's exciting to be a part of another slam. Novak, can I get your thoughts on the schedule change at the Australian Open this year, 15 days, and you know, on Sunday start? Do you think it will help prevent late finishing matches? It could. I mean, I, I guess that's one of the motives behind uh, starting on Sunday and. Obviously, there are other slams that start on Sunday. I think Roland Garros is starting on Sunday as well. <coughs> Excuse me. So that's going to help, I'm sure, get some matches out of the way and you know uh, reorganize the schedule better in the opening week, which is always um, very busy with a lot of matches uh, on the on the schedule that need to be finished um, in a proper time. So um, let's let's see if that if that works out. Hey Neil, um, you've been here so many times and you've won so many times. Do you have certain routines you do here now? Do you stay in the same house? Go to the eat the same meals? Go to the and can you share some of those with us of, of well, what you uh, do when you're here? I'm I'm not superstitious, but you know I I do obviously like to visit certain places that uh, have brought me luck and make me feel good. Uh, for example, botanical gardens, you know, in just nearby, it's wonderful park where I like to spend time and and just uh, be with by myself in nature, you know, just grounding and hugging trees and climbing trees and stuff. You know, I love to do that. So I've done that for yeah last 15 years, and uh, you know whether that's secret of success here in Australia or not, I don't know. But it has definitely made me feel good, and you know I like to obviously have a walk by the beach or jog um, if I can do that. Uh, I've been staying in different places, mostly South Yarra. You know I like that more than the city because it's just a bit more yeah just a bit more quiet. Uh, I guess you know obviously during the Grand Slams you have. Uh, lots of challenges, uh, mental, physical, emotional, um, and there's there's a lot of activities happening, um, even on the man, on the days when you don't have matches. So it's it's good to have a play, you know, places where you can just rewind and relax, rejuvenate, uh, and and kind of uh, get gather all the necessary energy for the next day. So I like to. Isolate a bit more, you know. In a place like New York, for example, I stayed in you know, New Jersey, uh, in a state of my friend, where you know I'm just in a complete nature isolation. It just allows me to just relax uh, and recharge. So, I like that kind of balance because Grand Slams are completely different kind of energy vibe tournaments than any other event that we have on the tour. Okay, the other players are talking about their serves, their games, their mentalities. Novak Djokovic comes into his press conference, says, I'm the man to beat, and now let's talk about what hotel I'm going to stay at. He does not sound too worried to me. And that is why he's my pick to win once more. Alright, now let's move on to Naomi Osaka. She could be an in She will be 
an interesting week one story for all the reasons that you think. So let's get some quotes from Osaka. I mean, uh, um, is this working? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's been really good. I've been able to hit with a couple players and kind of, I guess, feel the nostalgia again. But I'm super excited to be back and it's, it's been really fun so far. Okay, if you'd like to get started with the first question. David? Hi, Naomi. Uh, David Law from the Tennis Podcast. You mentioned feel the nostalgia. Could you give a couple of examples of the sort of thoughts that have come into your head since being back? Um, yeah, I mean, I think, like, one thing, it's it's kind of minor, but I love, like, the comfort of it. But I guess just going into the locker room and um, having the same locker as before. I think little things like that really make me happy and just being able to hit on Rod Laver and I guess look up at the the sky and kind of just realize like I've been able to win twice here and I would love to do it again. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like this tournament or this slam is the one that changes the most, but there are some things that stay the same. So those are the things that I think give me the most nostalgia. Okay, next question. Courtney. Yeah. Naomi, welcome back. Hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> um, just in terms of getting to hit, you were hitting with Ons today um, and getting to get more reps against other WTA players over the last couple of weeks. How have you been feeling in those sessions with your level, with, um, yeah, just getting a sense as to where you're at? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, playing in Brisbane was a really good test. Um, I think... I honestly think that my mat, my both of my matches were a higher level than the rankings indicate, and I definitely think my match against Pliskova was a really high level. I feel like whenever I play her, it's always about the serve, and I don't really consider her ranking when I play her, if that makes sense. Like, she's a former number one, so there's a level that she can play um, that... I don't really think indicates with her ranking, but also like I hit with um, Amanda here and you know how she is. So um, we were kind of trading returns and serves and Ons of course is, Ons makes me feel embarrassed because of the shots that she can play. And I'm like, wow, like I wish I could do all those things. But um, yeah, it was really fun to hit against them and I was super happy they let me hit with them too. So. Um, yeah, it's been a learning experience, but I also think I'm pretty confident with where I'm at right now. Okay, we'll go with Matt and then Russell. Matt, over there. Hi, Naomi. You've been away for almost three weeks now. How has it, how, how has it been? Uh, has it been hard? Oh, from shy? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's definitely been really hard. I think she's learning things while I'm gone, and I'm hoping she doesn't learn how to crawl. Um, before I come back, but she's doing her little like plank thing and scooting forward and back. So I think it might be a little inevitable, but uh, yeah, um, I I think I'm I'm definitely sad, but I feel like it's a selfish sad because I want her to be here. But I think for like her health and like everything that like her whole environment is in at home. You know what I mean? So I don't want to put her out of that while she's still so young. So. Yeah, I, I face her time her often though, so. Okay, we'll go Russell and then to Miami. Russell? Naomi, how did you feel after playing those matches in Brisbane and being back in a match environment for the first time in 
15 months, has there been a bit of stiffness and a bit of soreness? Have you had to be careful about the training sessions that you organize? Um, <laughs> there has been stiffness and soreness, but honestly, not as bad as I was expecting, um, because usually even without having gone through like post-pregnancy, I I'm normally very sore on the first um, tournament back. So I thought it would be one of those things where after I played my first match in Brisbane, I would have to like <laughs> call my team and be like, hey, I cannot practice today. Um, but no, it, it ended up really fine. And I think my body's um, quite adaptable. So I've been, I think, doing pretty well. Okay, Tumani. Hi, Naomi. Um, Hola. Hello. <laughs> um, a, a lot of players have been coming back um, this year and also last year, and a, a lot of them say that they're feeling refreshed and more relaxed on the court. I'm curious, like, from your perspective, how does being away from the tour make you feel better on the court? Um, I mean, you know me. I've taken a lot of breaks throughout the years, and I feel like for me... I I think this one was the one that finally clicked in my head. Um, I think I realized like being an athlete, the time is really precious and I never like took that for granted before, if that makes sense. Like I was so young and I always just thought I could kind of roll back into it whenever I needed to. But I guess like after having shy and kind of going through the struggle of trying to get myself back to where I want to be it was incredibly tough so I I have like a much more positive mindset and a much more grateful mindset and I think overall I'm just happy to be here because I remember last year I was watching people playing Australian Open and I couldn't participate myself so yeah and it was funny I, I'm talking a lot but um I was sitting with Ons today and I was thinking in my head, like, we've come a long way from Singapore, so, yeah. Okay, Eleanor and then Courtney. Okay, that is some of what Naomi Osaka had to say. Pretty interesting stuff there, actually. And if you're still listening, make sure you go check out the piece How Motherhood Transformed Tennis Great Naomi Osaka by Natasha Perlman of Glamour. Go check out that magazine article. I'll put the link in the description. Now, here's one for the Aussies. Alex Damon R, now in the ATP Top 10 for the first time. On the eve of the Australian Open, no less. First guy in the Top 10 since Leighton Hewitt. A long-time fixture at this event. Let's hear from the Demon. Well, congrats to come to the top 10 for the first time, Alex, and getting such a good result at United Cup. How do you feel about your preparation for AO so far? Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling great. It's, uh, it's been a great start to the year, and um, so far 2024 has been very nice to me, so hopefully I can keep it going and, and play some, some more good tennis at the Australian Open. Great questions on the floor, please. So much media, it seems, this week. Can I just ask, firstly, how, how you sort of manage that, rolling up to another press conference, another bunch of questions? You know, the match is still to come. How, how, how do you manage that? Well, I'm getting very good at answering the same type of questions, I'll tell you that. Um, uh, I've learned my answers basically off by heart uh, right now. But, no, it, it, is, it is something that, that comes with... Uh, 
I guess with winning matches, so it's a good problem to have. But um, again, it's been a big lead up. There's been a lot of focus, but at the same time, I'm I'm still putting my head down and I'm still getting all the work that I need to um, on the court and off the court. And yeah, I'm I'm getting ready for the tournament to start. Um, I think I'm, I'm a person that's uh, not easily distracted. Um, when it comes to all these things, uh, it doesn't really change too much for me. I mean, my goals are plain and simple, and that's to to win tennis matches and do my best on the court. So uh, all the preparations, they all stay the same. My focus stays the same, and... You know, I still have that drive and motivation to go out there on the tennis court and and do my best. So, if anything, it just probably makes me more eager for for the tournament to start. So you're out there with Leighton uh, earlier today. He's obviously so intrinsic in what you've been able to cultivate at the moment. What's it like having him in your corner in the lead up <coughs> and also open on home soil? Yeah, he's uh, he's been great. He's been uh, my Davis Cup captain uh, for a while, and he's been a great mentor. I've learned uh, a lot from him, and it's great to to have his support. He's obviously been through a lot of the similar situations that I'm going through uh, at the moment, and and yeah, it's been it's been great. We've tried to kind of keep everything the same uh, with my team, and. Just uh, enjoying the the moment. Alex, what did you? What went through your mind when you saw Rainage first up? Um, what went through my mind? Uh, ultimately, I I had a feeling it was going to be uh, a tough match coming up, and when when I drew Milos, uh, it was basically that. He's a very tricky opponent. Um, the type of person that can take the racket out of your hand obviously has an unbelievable serve and, and it's uh, very aggressive. So it's it's a tough match, but um, yet again, I'm, I'm excited to play. I'm playing some good tennis, so uh, I'll be re- ready for the challenge. All right, there is the G-Men. And that concludes the 2024 player audio segment for the pre-tournament. All right, two things left, media and then the Sunday schedule. So this is for the American fans. Here's the ESPN press release. First ball to last ball coverage of the 2024 Australian Open live across ESPN platforms. It's summer down under as ESPN brings tennis fans in North America every match from every round of the 2024 Australian Open live from Melbourne Park in Melbourne, Australia. Exclusive coverage begins on a historic Saturday start in the U.S. January 13th at 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Plus and midnight Eastern on ESPN2. Live coverage across ESPN, ESPN2, ESPN Deportes, and ESPN Plus will include all matches from all 15 courts, with every match streaming live on ESPN+. With Melbourne 16 hours ahead of the United States, day session matches will air on ESPN Linear Networks in primetime Eastern, 
and night session matches will air at 3 a.m. Eastern. In all, ESPN will air more than 240 hours of live coverage on its linear networks, an increase of 35% over 2023. Comprehensive coverage will culminate with the Women's and Men's Championships on January 27th and 28th, respectively, at 3.30 a.m. ET on ESPN, ESPN Deportes, and ESPN+. This is ESPN's 40th annual presentation of this Australian Open, representing its longest uninterrupted professional sports programming relationship. ESPN has held the rights to the, to the event since 1984. Okay, so tonight, the, mat, the tennis starts at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, tonight, 11 a.m. in Melbourne, on ESPN+. Plus. There's no cable for the first five hours of play. Then at midnight Eastern, 9 p.m. Pacific tonight, it comes on ESPN2, and it runs throughout the rest of the day on ESPN2. On Sunday, the 14th, during the day, ESPN2 has Encore at 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. on Sunday, the 14th. So, there you go. And the Monday schedule, I'm going to... Do the outside courts first before um, going to Rod Laver and Margaret Court arenas. So let's start with the John Kane Arena from 11 a.m. local, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 Pacific. Fernandez against Beliak, followed by Sweeney, an Australian, versus Sarundalo. Then at, what is that, five hours after that, at 4 local. Midnight Eastern, 9 p.m. Pacific, Taylor Fritz versus Diaz Acosta. Okay, taking a look at some of the outside courts. Let's see what we got out there. Anna Samova is playing Samsonova, third up on Kia Arena. Chilich versus Marijan. JJ Wolf's out there. Alicia Parks is out there. Hmm. And nothing else much comes to mind. Not too many matches out there for the first Sunday. But let's go to the main courts. Okay, Rod Laver Arena and Margaret Court Arena starting at noon Melbourne, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. First match is up, Sinner versus Van de Zanschulp. And Krejcikova versus Hantama. Followed by Zachary versus Habino and Rublev versus Seboth Vilde. Night session. Each court has two matches. Each of the two courts has two matches. 7 p.m. Melbourne, 3 a.m. East, 12 a.m. Midnight West. First up, Novak Djokovic versus Dino Prismic. I believe Prismic's 18. And I believe Djokovic is 36, so twice the age there. And then Magda Lynette versus Carolyn Wozniacki. That might be the best match of the day, to be honest. And the nightcap, Arena Sabalenka versus Seidel. And then um, Francis Tiafo versus Borna Chorich. There you go. Just a few hours left now. 
and I'll see you tomorrow for the first day's daily podcast. Thanks for listening.